This is your Cronkite News To Go weekly briefing. I'm Jack Wu. Last month, there was a protest at Arizona State's Capitol against anti-queer and anti-choice bills. Cronkite News' Amber Victoria Singer spoke with protesters. Record your message at the count. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Hi there, this message is for John Cavanaugh. This is Daddy Satan, and we are marching here today at the Capitol peacefully, and we are marching for the right of drag. We are marching for the right to choice. That's protest organizer and drag king Noel Cañez, who goes by Daddy Satan. Cañez is leaving a message for State Senator John Kavanaugh, who has sponsored a number of anti-queer bills. And we all just had something that we wanted to let you know. Arizona loves drag! And everyone else? They're protesters. They were at Arizona's Capitol last month to speak against proposed legislation that would target drag performances, the use of preferred pronouns in schools, and abortion access. We love drag and we love choice! We love drag and we love choice! But the anti-drag bills were at the forefront of the demonstration. I did my very first drag show in March of 2021, 2022, I can't quite remember. And to me, drag means self-expression and it means art. Senate Bill 1026 would prohibit state money and taxes from being used for drag performances that would be seen by minors. Think of a story time with a drag queen at a public library. Senate Bill 1028 would restrict where and when drag performances could take place. And Senate Bill 1030 would require businesses to get a permit in order to hold drag performances. Kanye said that although the bills target drag, they could also have a negative impact on transgender people specifically. The language used in the bills states that people who dress in clothing opposite of their gender assigned at birth, so that language is super dangerous for our trans community because they can go and use that wording to discriminate as trans people uh, just living their day-to-day lives. Say a trans woman is walking down the street, police can give her a ticket, they can fine her for dressing in clothing opposite of her gender assigned at birth. Erica Connell is a drag artist who goes by the Weird Violet. She was easy to spot in the crowd in her bright, curly purple wig. Connell called the proposed legislation Trojan bills that are hiding hate. When it seeks to even criminalize our art forms, criminalize you as an individual. Connell said she believes there are more important issues at hand, like homelessness, education, and the prison system. What we are looking at in Arizona government is he's putting forth bills to distract from other problems, from the actual problems. High school students with the nonprofit Support Equality Arizona Schools were at the march as well. 15-year-old Canix Gallo said he believes the bills are harmful, even though they're unlikely to pass. It's scaring our youth. It's terrifying. It's showing how the people who are in our Senate and our legislator are thinking. And if we didn't have a governor who's going to veto these bills for us, they would be passed. Dawn Shim is a 17-year-old who is also with Support Equality Arizona Schools. They spoke about a bill that would make it illegal for teachers to use students' preferred pronouns without a note from a parent. As students who can't really vote, we are on the forefront of these issues. It all comes back to limiting the expression of queer trans students in schools, uh, oppressing them, not allowing them to use preferred pronouns, not allowing them to use the name that they prefer. That's creating a marginalized space for some of our most vulnerable people today. When they spoke to the crowd, Shim talked about the negative impact anti-LGBTQ bills have on young people. Two weeks ago, on the lawn right there, we set out 180 body bags to represent the 1.8 million queer kids across America who have contemplated suicide over this past year. As I was stuffing 180 body bags, 
after listening to the speeches, hundreds of people took a lap around the Capitol. They wrapped around the block, chanting as they marched. For Cronkite News in Phoenix, I'm Amber Victoria Singer. Southern California has been at war with peacocks for decades. Cronkite News' Ayana Hamilton reports that the war isn't going to end anytime soon. To some, it's the sound of nature. To others, it's a never-ending screeching nightmare. Several Southern California communities are leading a peacock rebellion, taking action after complaints of noise and waste. There's been decades of debate between residents who want the beautiful birds to stay versus the ones who want nothing to do with them. Dennis Fett is an Iowa peacock consultant and a co-founder of the Peacock Information Center. He has been helping California with its peafowl problem since the late 90s. I get, I get lots of calls. I've had people who call me and say, we got a problem, can you help me? My problem is we don't have any benefactors or funding to go fly out and help. According to Fett, Rolling Hills Estates, a Los Angeles suburb, hired him in 1992 to educate the community and provide a PFAL management plan. They were very complimentary to what I did with the communities. I think communication is the best factor of teaching people what to expect and what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong with the wild peafowl, but they never followed through with that. Fett says if the estates came back to him on a yearly basis, the plan would have been a success. Fett feels like he's alone in wanting to save the peacocks in Southern California. However, he's not. Debbie Ma is the president of Friends of the Peacock, which is a nonprofit corporation of people who love peacocks. They banded together in 2003 to keep the birds in Rancho Palos Verdes, a city next door to Rolling Hills Estates. The peacocks have been here for almost 100 years. So they were here before most of the people that are here. There's a historic element to preserving them. And after a bunch of studies were done, in our city, we have a peafowl management program. Friends of the Peacock was very instrumental in crafting what that program should look like. Mott says the program doesn't allow trapping during or after mating season and trap separating from chicks in the first year of life. We do have a program for managing the size of the flock, which keeps everybody in our city pretty much happy. That's one of the many peacocks at the Los Angeles County Arboretum and Botanic Garden. It's a safe haven for peacocks, a public garden where they're appreciated and loved. Botanical information consultant Frank McDonough breaks down how the peacocks arrived to California. In the late 1800s, several breeding pairs of peacocks were brought over from India by a gentleman named Lucky Baldwin, who was over there on—he's uh, on, over there on a sightseeing and hunting trip—came over with the uh, uh, peacocks, and they established very well here. According to McDonough, the reason the peafowl do so well here is the people. The birds need us, and surprisingly, we need them because they're free pest control. If you go to a neighborhood that has peacocks, you will not find any snails or slugs. It's amazing, and your insect amounts go down too. Your insect infestations go way down because that's what they're eating. Mott, McDonough, and Fett all agree that people and the peafowl can coexist. All it takes is an open mind. We, we have lived among the peafowl. I have, my husband and I personally, for 35 years. So we know their habits and we know what we, we just love them. A lot of cultures consider peafowl lucky. That can increase the amount of money you get for your house if you sell it. 
and increase the property rates in general. If you look at areas of peacocks, their property rates are pretty good. So why would you want to take away peacocks when you're, it's like taking away money? You should have known that there were peacocks there before you moved there. They've been there since 1924, and, and I'm sure they're going to be there long after you and I are gone from this earth. For Cronkite News, I'm Ayanna Hamilton. A small census-designated place just west of Phoenix is a major power hub. Last month, Vice President Harris was in town to break ground on a new project. Cronkite News' Amber Victoria Singer went to Tonopah to find out more. A 125-mile transmission line is being built between Arizona and California after nearly a decade of planning. The line, called the 10 West Link, will make it possible to send solar and wind energy between the two states. The director of Sierra Club's Arizona chapter, Sandy Barr, said it's beneficial for both states. It's not a one-way street, so to speak, or one-way transmission line. Barr said it's important to move toward clean energy. The main argument for clean energy is to help address climate change. It, climate change is the biggest challenge we face. It affects Every facet of our lives, it, it, is, it is harming us economically, it's harming our health, and it is, you know, really making parts of Arizona uninhabitable. At the project's groundbreaking ceremony last month, Vice President Kamala Harris said the transmission line will help make sure communities have enough power to meet peak demand. This will increase energy reliability in the region. That's fewer blackouts fewer summer nights without the AC, and fewer of those cell phone alerts that tell you to turn off or reduce non-essential power so the grid doesn't overload. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs called the transmission line a game changer. Our state should lead the way in sustainable and renewable energy development, and this effort is an example of what we need to build a 21st century clean energy economy that puts Arizona on a path to long-term prosperity. According to Hobbs, clean energy isn't just better for the environment, it's cheaper too. Over the last year, I've heard from many people across Arizona about rising energy costs and the burden this has placed on their families. During difficult economic times, we need a renewed investment into our energy infrastructure. There were a lot of speakers at the groundbreaking ceremony, but none of them were from Tonopah, the unincorporated community where 10 West Link will begin or end, depending on how you look at it. Because Tonopah isn't an official city or town, it doesn't have a mayor or city council. We spoke to the next best person, the Tonopah Community Council President. It's a volunteer position. We met James Hoodenpile at Tin Top, which he said is the only restaurant in Tonopah. It's one of the only gathering places for the community. Everybody knows where the Tin Top is, and, and if you're not eating here, you're meeting here. Hoodenpile is a father and a businessman. One major argument that Harrison Hobbs made in favor of 10 West Link is that it would create jobs. Hoodenpile disagreed. Did it cause a major stir of jobs and movement? No. The jobs that they say these uh, a bill like this creates are jobs that already exist. and. When they say they're creating 125 jobs, most of the time they moved 125 jobs or 200 jobs or however many that is. Even if the transmission line does create new jobs, Hoodenpile said they likely won't go to locals. 10 West Link is expected to be operating by the end of the year. For Cronkite News in Phoenix, I'm Amber Victoria Singer. We had help today from Amber Victoria Singer, Ayana Hamilton, Marianne Frank, and Regina Ravizova. 
You can learn more about the stories you heard in today's news update by going to cronkitenews.azpbs.org. That's all for your Cronkite News to Go. I'm Jack Woe.